Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, we attend a mass greyhound walk. We come out today, you know, so people can really get a chance to see out of kennels what the dogs are like, you know, just what great pets they make, really. So that's the main purpose of the day, and that's, I think, we've achieved that today. It's been really good. And we have the Dogcast Radio News and a review of a Dyson that can vacuum not just your home, but also your dog. And a great new book about adopting a rescue dog. But before all that, we have the second half of our interview with doctor and author Dawn Marcus, who has written an inspiring new book called The Power of Wagging Tails. The book is full of countless examples of how dogs are good for us. And here, Dawn tells the story of how her therapy dog, Wheaty, saved a life, although not in quite the way you might imagine. Yeah, this, this was actually a, um, one, of my, one of my favorite stories, of course, because who doesn't love talking about her own dog? Absolutely. Um, but, <laughs> Weedy was, was our first family dog, and I had grown up with dogs. And then when I got married, my husband had never had dogs and wasn't particularly enthusiastic. And Weedy was the first dog that we got as a family, so we're taking him to classes and things. And, you know, he's just so excited that, wow, like that you can train this dog to actually, you know, follow commands and do things. Yeah. So when he would go into work, um, he would tell his students about, you know, what Weedy was doing. And um, they, after a while, really became sort of disgusted that, you know, it's like the over-exuberant father, you know, coming in with like the baby pictures every day. <laughs> so each day they would, you know, when he would, would start his work with the students, um, there was one, um, one gentleman in the group who would always start and say, oh, what did Weedy the Wonder Dog do last night? <laughs> and so we used to, you know, sort of joke about it. And one day as um, Weedy's going making his visits, we were asked to see a gentleman in the intensive care unit and we went in and you know we're looking and he appears to be you know again you know asleep um and i said to the nurse well we'll come back another day you know i don't want to wake him up if you know he needs his sleep and she said oh no he's been asking for the dog you know can't wait for the dog to come in you've got to go see him so i said okay well if you can come in with me because um, you know, he was up in a high bed and I needed to carry Weedy in and, you know, I didn't want to wake him up with like a dog snout in his face and, and, you know, really give him a big startle. So we go in together and I'm all, you know, gowned up and have the dog and she's next to me. And, you know, so she's starting to, you know, wake him up by calling his name and, you know, he's really not waking up. So she's calling, you know, a little bit more vigorously, a little more, more vigorously. Finally, it's clear she cannot wake this man up. And um, they call the resuscitation team to come and get him. And so we leave the room and, um, you know, the resuscitation team comes in to see, you know, what they can do for this man who's, you know, now unbeknownst to them had fallen into a coma. And um, about a, I don't know if it was a full week later, a few days later, we're back again. And I thought, geez, I wonder whatever happened to him. And he was no longer on our list of people to see. But I said, well, we'll just pop down and see. So we, you know, we walk down at the end of our day and sure enough, the man is in the bed. And, you know, again, I'm always very pessimistic and I just figured, you know, he probably died. And there he is like alive, sitting up in bed, awake, talking. And, you know, I just couldn't believe it. 
And I thought, wow, this is so amazing because, you know, my dog was there who, if my dog hadn't come in then, they may not have recognized that he needed to be resuscitated. And like, this is so amazing and I can't wait to go in and he's going to see the dog who saved his life and won't this be so exciting. So I'm all pumped up and I have to get my gown on and everything to go in. So I get myself all dressed and, you know, we're all ready to go in and I'm all excited and, you know, going with my big beaming smile, carrying Weedy. And I said to the man, oh, hi, would you like a visit from the therapy dog? And I'm waiting for him to say, oh, my gosh, it's the dog who saved my life. And he turns and looks at Weedy and says, nah, I hate dogs. <laughs> and it was just so hilarious. And I thought, you know, it's amazing because... And, I mean, he really had, like, no interest in seeing this dog whatsoever. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, thank you. You know, we turn and leave the room. But I thought that was just so perfect because somehow he got added to the list. Somebody must have said something. He was like, oh, yeah, fine, bring the dog in. <laughs> um, you know, and having that encounter really, I do think, helped save his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it was funny because I went back and told our volunteer coordinator. So I'm telling her the story, and she's waiting for the punchline that, you know, he's going to say, oh, my gosh, it's the dog who saved my life. <laughs> and, you know, of course, which was not the punchline. And she said, oh, that's really kind of disappointing. I said, no, I think that's perfect. Mm. And it was just so wonderful to hear this guy was like, now nah, I hate dogs. Get here. Um, so See? yeah. So after that, after that, my my husband, you know, of course, went and told his his skeptical students, and then I, I told him he needed to tell his students they had to to call, call Weedy, we you know, Doctor Weedy instead of Weedy the Wonder <laughs> Dog. After that. Yeah. So. See, it really doesn't matter whether you like them or not. They're going to do you good, whether you want it or not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Um, it, the other thing I like, Dawn, is you, you give lots and lots of, of practical advice um, about, you know, how you and your dog um, can, you know, qualify as a therapy team and sort of go in. Um, and I really like that. And the other thing is you, you make it very clear that whether you've got a large dog, a small dog, a purebred, a mix, you know, whatever, you can find a niche, whether it's hospital visiting or, you know, helping kids read. There is, there is somewhere that you and your dog can make a significant difference, isn't there? Right. And I think a lot of times people look at therapy dogs and think, oh, you have to be a particular breed or you have to be, you know, a really attractive dog or you have to be this, that or the other thing. One of my favorite dogs in the book is, um, is Rufus, who um, um, is, you know, one of our most famous dogs here in the U.S. for winning Westminster. And, um, you know, when I spoke with his owner, because he you know, went from the show dog to, you know, to working as a therapy dog, mm. and I had asked about, um, you know, his owner, about what had happened with those, you know, with those visits. So as she's talking to me about him and telling me, um, you know, how her dog touches people, etc., and he's a bull terrier, and so we start the conversation. She says, well, you know, my dog Rufus is a bull terrier, so he has you know, that egg-shaped head. And she said, I think because he's such an odd-looking dog, he really touches some people who see themselves as being like the odd man out or not, you know, the most beautiful or the most popular, you know, person in the world. They see this dog and say, oh, look at that poor, you know, hideous-looking thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I sort of feel like that, too, so I'll welcome this dog. You know, meanwhile, this is like one of the the most winning dogs (laughs) in the U.S., and um, she was telling me that she'll be out on the street with her dog, 
And she said she's been stopped by people who say, ma'am, that is the ugliest dog I have ever seen. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, like this dog has won best in show. I can't tell you how many times. Um, But it's funny because, again, he's not sort of the typical dog you would think of as, you know, the cute, fluffy therapy dog of, oh, this is who I'd like for a visit. But, you know, she said that she really thinks that because he, he looks the way he does, that people look at him and say, oh, he's not perfect. He's kind of an, an odd-looking creature. You know, he, w- he would accept me for who I am. Like, he's not going to expect me to be perfect or look perfect or look lovely because look at what he looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of times, you know, we have these preconceived notions or, oh, I have a pit bull or I have a Rottweiler and, you know, people will be scared of them or they couldn't possibly be a therapy dog. Um, but for a lot of people, having, you know, those bigger dogs you know, really does touch them in a way that the cute, fluffy little poodle may not for that person. Um, so I think it's it's very true what you're saying that, you know, if, if you have an interest in therapy dog work and you have a dog who does um, enjoy engaging with people, you probably can find, you know, a niche where both you and the dog will be comfortable. And it may be going to a nursing home. It may be going to schools. It may be going to hospital. It may be none of those things and something else but there probably is somewhere out there, you know, where you and your dog can make an impact. And a lot of times it's just sort of, you know, a trial and error of figuring out, you know, what works best for you and your dog. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing, the the Fit as Fido um, classes and routines really intrigued me because when I first read about sort of these classes that were sort of keeping fit and some dog training, and I was thinking... I couldn't concentrate on keeping fit and trying to keep control of the dog. And and I really found that fascinating that you can do yourself good and do the dog good and you're more likely to keep going because of the aspect of including your dog. And I wish we had them in the UK. I really do. Can you tell us about the, the Fittest Fido classes? Yeah, on one hand, that's that's sort of the point that it's hard, like you're worried about keeping your dog under control yeah. um, as you're doing your exercise. And the point is, if you're concentrating on keeping your dog under control, then you're not thinking, oh my gosh, when is this class going to be done? <laughs> I hate exercising. Yes. The dog, meanwhile... I I think it's just so fascinating with, oh, my gosh, look at this crazy woman, you know, (laughs) walking back and forth. Her arms are flapping hither and yon. She's squatting. She's standing. This is so unusual. Let 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 me take this in. And I think that helps the dog to actually behave better than he might in the mm. class where you're just like, okay, sit, now stay. I'm going to stand here and watch you for so many minutes. And the dog's like, oh, my gosh, are we doing this again? Um, so basically what we've done is put together um, a class. I, I work with an aerobics instructor, and we have um, within the class lanes set up, and each person and, and his or her dog has a lane. And basically you walk back and forth within your lane doing some exercise. And as you, know, you take the dog with you, walk down to the end, you know, put the dog in a sit-stay or down-stay, and then, you know, proceed back to the beginning of your lane, you know, doing some exercise, which could just be a, a fast walking. It could be, you know, some, something with arm movements. It could be doing squats or lunges. And then, you know, you walk back, get the dog, um, you know, proceed um, back to the lane again and then, then leave him at his spot again. And it's interesting because on one hand, as you're, you know, 
hearing about the class and getting started with it, it doesn't seem like you're really getting in that much exercise. But about 10 or 15 minutes into the class, you really notice, boy, I'm really like huffing and puffing a lot yes. here. And then the next day, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm really pretty sore from that. And I think part of it, too, is um, as the handler, you're so focused on your dog and your dog um, maintaining his sit-stay or down-stay that it motivates you to move a little quicker to get back to the dog so that you know, the dog is able to keep that position without breaking from it. And you, know, you collect him you know, go back to your spot and then, then put him in his sit stay or down stay again. So I think it keeps you, you know, moving at a much brisker pace than you might if you were just sort of meandering on your own without a care in the world. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's really kind of neat. The other neat thing about it is, you know, people are so focused on their dogs that you don't really notice what the other folks around you are doing. So there's, you know, there's not as much of a um, competition among people in the class, or oh, she's going faster, or haha, I'm going quicker than she is, um, you know, or oh, I look really awful, and you know, whatever I'm wearing, and look how attractive she looks, and I'm too heavy, or you know, sort sort of those things that might keep people out of an exercise class because they're um, you know feeling embarrassed or not feeling you know, it's up to perfection as they otherwise might like. Yeah. Um, so it's neat because it really takes the pressure and focus off of the humans, puts it onto the dog. And it's, you know, it's fun because you're hanging out with your dog. You're working on improving some skills with the dog. The dog's having a great time. You're having a great time and you're getting some exercise along with it. Um, so we included that in this book, um, not because it's really a therapy dog activity, but exercise is such an important part of um, of our health, and this is really a way to, um, you know, help help your dog, help you, you know, maintain that healthy exercise that we all need to do, and, and it's in a fun way that hopefully will keep you motivated to, you know, to continue exercising, and the other pl um, goal is to try to use some of those um, moves that you're using on your, you know, during the exercise class and incorporating them into your everyday dog walk to really boost up that dog walk and make it more of an exercise session for you. Mm -hmm. It's it's all part of the power of that wagging tail because, you know, if you say to me, jog, you know, I'm going to say no. If you say to me, run around an agility field with your dog, okay, great. You know, or even when we first went to obedience classes um, three or four years ago, you know, I hadn't run in years, but... I, w I ran to do the fast-paced heel work. You know, I would never have done right. that without my dog, but I did it, you know. Right, right. So right. And that's, that's sort of, you know, the, the whole fit is Fido philosophy is that if you just, you know, sort of follow the dog, he will lead you um, to a healthier lifestyle and, and you know, help motivate you to do those healthy things that you need to do, uh, you know, like doing that exercise. In the wintertime, um, you know, we get a fair amount of snow and, um, as the snow melts, you're often met with, you know, little doggy treasures that, you know, you hadn't, hadn't collected, um, you know, during the winter months. So, you know, one of the rites of spring for us here is that, you know, you're scooping dog poop. And I always joke with my friends that, you know, that can really be a great exercise session because if instead of just sort of grumbling and scooping, you actually do it like every time you're picking up some poop, you do a little squat or do a lunge toward it. It really is a great workout. 
Um, you know, and, and obviously this is not going to be my daily workout going to my neighbor's yard and, and looking for extra poop I can pick up there. But I think sometimes just being able to look at exercise in a fun way and saying, mm. you know, hey, I, I spent some time with my dog and it wasn't, you know, it was, a, you know, it was fun. I was able to laugh at myself, laugh at the dog, and I got, you know, a bit of a workout and moved some joints and muscles I haven't moved for a while, and that's a good thing. And then hopefully that will motivate you to, oh, and now let's go for a nice walk and make that our regular routine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? It's, I often think this when I'm out with Buddy. It's your attitude to things. Like we have um, a long plastic flinger that sort of helps me throw the tennis ball a long way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll throw it and sometimes he'll be distracted by something and he hasn't watched where it's fallen. And I haven't either, you know, and, and now we have to find it. And I'm kind of, oh, crikey, we've lost the tennis ball again. Oh, you know. And he, his tail is wagging. And he's saying, oh, great. Now I get to search for the tennis ball, you know. And it's right. It, it's just the difference in attitude that it's typical of the dog and the human, you know. The humans, we, we sort of did uh, automatic things. Oh, whereas the dogs, yay. Now I get to, you know, whatever right. it is. Yeah, one of the folks that um, who shared his story for for the book um, has uh, metastatic prostate cancer that he's been struggling with for a number of years, mm. and um, prior to that, it actually had um, a transplant, and really has dealt with medical problems for decades now. And um, you know, despite the fact he's had cancer therapies, every time he goes. You know, they say, well, you know, yes, you've had this radiation, this chemo, but things have spread a little bit farther. So he never really gets good news. But mm. if you met this man, you would have no, I was shocked when he told me he had health problems because I actually started talking to him because he has therapy dogs. Mm. And, um, you know, it had told him oh, I'm writing this book and I'm collecting stories. He said, oh, my dogs have really helped me with my cancer. And you're like, you have cancer? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And he has two Labrador retrievers, and really he's used them as, um, as his you know, attitude role model and says what he tries to do is live life like a lab. Um, and says, you know, his dogs look outside and say, wow, you know, here's the world. Isn't this great? There's mm-hmm. stuff to smell. There's food to eat. There's people to play with. Like, everything is good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he said he's really tried to, in his own life, with all of his own medical problems, um, you know, to look when he's becoming disheartened, to look at them and look at, you know, their big smiling face and say, you know, I need to keep the attitude of a lab and look at life like a lab. And that really has kept him going and kept him um, you know, being more positive because he, you know, he looks at them and then tries to reflect their positive attitude back um, in himself. And I think for a lot of dog owners, you know, they are really able to do that because they're just feeling sort of discouraged. And then your dog does something goofy or your dog looks up with you with that big smiling face mm. and say, you just have to laugh. And, um, you know, it really does a lot of times, you know, help you maintain that, you know, that attitude that, you know, it's not going to necessarily make things better, but having a bad attitude will definitely make things worse. Yeah. So, um, you know, having that dog's attitude really can, whether it's, you know, keeping you exercising or just sort of keeping you going through tough times, you know, being able to look at the dog and say, you know, I really feel terrible, but, you know, you've got a big smile, so if you can smile through this, I'm going to make it through this too. Um, and I think for a lot of people that really does help them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, where can people find more information online about um, you and the book? Yeah, if you go to my website, which is fitasfido.com, 
Um, there's always all kinds of information about um, health, fitness, and therapy dogs. I try to keep half of the blog about um, um, health-related or fitness-related items, and the other half is something about therapy dogs. And there's information specifically about uh, you know about this book today. I actually have your review of this book online, which I thought was just fabulous, Julie. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, there, there's more information there. The book yeah. actually should be coming out in just a couple of weeks. And then um, there are links from the website that you, will get you to sites where you can buy it. You can buy it through Amazon or, you know, bookstores everywhere. Yeah, excellent. I know you're on Facebook and Twitter as well, and we'll put those links on so people can sort of make the most of your um, advice and um, knowledge. Because, I mean, it, it, it is, as you say, we can learn so much from them and we can help other people through our dogs um basically thank you for writing the book Dawn, because i really enjoyed it oh well thank you so much it really it really is a labor of love and it's just been such a delight speaking to so many people and hearing all of um you know all of their their stories which are so similar to each other and you know really help to convince me and hopefully convince others that there really is something to you know the power of wagging tails and when a dog is interacting with people there is more than just a simple oh he's very cute and you know i gave him a little pet and there really is a lot of physiology going on behind that um and really powerful and profound changes that are happening to people from those interactions yeah i guess the only other thing that i would mention is um I actually am starting a new book about um, therapy dogs being used for cancer management hmm. um, that'll, that's more of a book that's going to be designed for medical personnel um, to hopefully motivate people who are caring for cancer patients to include therapy dogs in their cancer teams. So um, for people who um, themselves have a therapy dog who works with cancer patients or as um, as a cancer survivor and has had a, a dog who's helped them through that or a family member with cancer and had you know a great story to share um, you know i'd be i'd be very enthusiastic to hear all about that and again i can be contacted through my fittest fido website if you'd like to get in touch with dawn about that new book or find out more about fittest fido or the power of wagging tails you can visit her fittestfido.com website or find her on Facebook or Twitter and we have all those links on the Dogcast Radio site. If you have a therapy dog or have benefited from a visit from a therapy dog, we'd love to share your story too. Dogs are descended from a small weasel-like mammal called Myakis, which was a tree-dwelling creature and existed about 40 million years ago. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. I've been trying out the Dyson DC25 Animal Vacuum and Groom Tool, and I should point out that this is not a paid advert, this is a genuine review. Now, we have two dogs and three cats in the house, so there is plenty of animal hair wafting about the place, building up on the floor, sticking to the furniture and coating the carpets. So I was looking forward to putting this machine through its paces. I did need to read the directions on how to assemble some parts of the vacuum, but if I can cope with that, anyone can. Probably what will interest dog owners most is the groom tool, which actually vacuums your dog direct. Obviously, if your dog is very scared of the vacuum, this won't work for you, but Buddy had no objections at all. 
I introduced it gently with lots of treats and groomed him without turning the vacuum on first to make sure he was familiar with it. I also let the vacuum run near him while treating him before I used the groom tool on him. The groom tool, which attaches to the hose of the vacuum, has a flat slotted surface through which you push lots of little spikes so it resembles a slicker brush. You then brush the tool over the dog a few times, causing fur to accumulate on the spikes. Now here's the clever bit. When you release your pressure on the spikes, they retract back into the tool, leaving the fur on the flat surface, and all the fur gets sucked into the hole in the middle of the tool and never gets to waft anywhere, which is good news. I would imagine that the hairier your dog, the more hair you'll get off him with the tool, but it's certainly collected a lot of Labrador hair. It makes great sense to me to eradicate loose hair on my dog before it's shed around the house. And the tool is easy to use with a few practices. But what about the hair that does make it to the floor and furniture? Well, being a special animal model, one of the head tools that attaches into the hose has many brushes that spin round and they're very effective at getting dog hair off furniture. Although they did have more trouble with the fabric-covered shelf in one of our cars in which the hairs seemed to stick more effectively, needing a lot more strokes of the tool before they came off. There's also a head tool without brushes, a thin tool attachment to get into narrow spaces and the vacuum can work on carpet or hard floors to get rid of that pesky dog hair. I have to say that I really appreciated the manoeuvrability of the vacuum which turns this way and that very easily thanks to the ball system rather than wheels. I found the groom tool very effective on Buddy and the tools cope well with animal hair on the furniture. I've realised that all this time I've been saying I didn't like vacuuming I just hadn't met the right vacuum. To see our video review of the Dyson DC25 Animal Vacuum and Groom Tool, click on the link on the Dogcast Radio site. Dogs Trust, the UK dog charity with the famous slogan, A dog is for life, not just for Christmas, has brought out a book called Rescue Me, How to Successfully Rehome a Rescue Dog, which is full of useful advice about adopting a dog from a shelter. It starts with a section on choosing a rescue dog and covers such issues as what your lifestyle is like, whether to adopt a puppy or adult, big or small, and even one or two dogs. There's advice on what to expect at the centre and useful checklists clarify the advice in the text. I like the case studies included as it's always inspiring and reassuring to read of dogs who have found their forever home and happy ending, especially when taking them on proved a challenge. My favourite story is the bouncy Bull Stafford Terrier Cross who was adopted from the special needs section of the shelter and is now a fully trained assistance dog. There is advice on preparing for, taking home and settling in your rescue dog with tips for both older and younger dogs. I love the section on bonding with your new dog. That's the reason we bring a dog into our lives to interact with them and grow to love them. There is practical advice on how to spend quality time with your new dog to ensure you get the bonding process off to a good start. Basic training is covered and good behaviour too, as well as how to keep your dog happy and healthy, including first aid tips and advice on caring for a senior dog. Taking on a rescue dog can be challenging, as a couple of the case studies show, but ultimately very rewarding, and this book can help you and your dog achieve success. To read an extract from the book, visit the Dogcast Radio site. Puppies sleep 90% of the day for their first few weeks.
Great British Greyhound Walk took place on the 26th of June and involved greyhound owners all over the UK getting their greyhounds and other sighthounds out and about so the public could see how beautiful and placid they are. We went along and first of all I spoke to Beth and Richardson who organised the walk in Shrewsbury and it wasn't the first year she'd taken this task on. I did one last year as well, it was the first year doing it um, and it was really good so this year we've just tried to make it bigger and better yeah. with having the picnic and selling the merchandise and the raffle and things so I think we could have raised about £200 as well today for the dogs so it's been absolutely fantastic and we've beaten our total by 20 dogs we've got an extra 20 this year so it's been brilliant so it's growing, isn't it? Really growing, really good publicity and all the people who come last year have had such a great time and all our dogs sort of come back to see us, so it's been fantastic, yeah. really good. Yeah, and I mean, we're surrounded by greyhounds here but there's, there's lots and lots of greyhound walks going on all over the country, aren't there? All over England, Scotland and this is the first year they've got walks in Ireland, there's two or three in Ireland this year, so um, it's really taken off. I've just had the total texted to me and they're waiting for 18 total walks to come yeah. in and they've already beaten last year's totals, so Brilliant. it's been fantastic really really good because there are so many myths out there about greyhounds that they you know they're high energy and they sort of you know they, they won't rest that you've got to exercise them and exercise them and it's just not true is it it's not true at all and that's why we come out today that's more the purpose of this is the awareness they can see the dog sleeping and they need sort of 10-15 minutes walk sort of exercise they're used to racing and sprinting they're very placid they're great with people they don't kill other dogs they don't eat cats all of them so we come out today you know so people can really get a chance to see out of kennels what the dogs are like yeah. and what they make as pets and see you know just what great pets they make really so that's the main purpose of the day and that's i think we've achieved that today it's been really yeah. good yeah. no obviously every dog is different so if there, if there are dogs with any issues you know like you've mentioned um presumably if you're rescuing you will be advised by the the rescue what you need to do you know and that will be housed appropriately it does. We have a behaviourist, and most responsible rescues do. Uh, Beanie, my dog here, he's dog aggressive. You know, so I've advised today. You know, they wear muscles, and we offer the appropriate backup and support. They're racing dogs. Um, a lot of greyhounds will have been in a kennel and only ever seen their own breed, so they don't understand what another dog is. They need to be trained like from a puppy. However, old they are really. A lot of them do. Yes. They respond so quickly and they're so bright. So this is what's great about today is that we can do the socialisation. It's not in a, a stressful environment, and it's great for the dogs as well. So it improves their behaviour and gets them out and about mingling so that's really nice yeah. as well and in the main I mean they are chilled and laid back and yeah, friendly yeah 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 what you see is what you get they just love to mingle I don't think you could you could have sort of this many collies say or spaniels no. or terry you know in the same sort of really close proximity there's yeah. no gumballs there's no fighting and they get on like so well they know their own kind yeah. and they just mingle really well I think that's what makes it really special because you've got such a big group of them together so they're a really nice presence as well when they're all together yes you know yeah. we've walked out in a big group that's yeah been really good today yeah lovely and how long have you been involved in greyhound rescue since i was 13 i'm 25 now yeah. started with greyhound rescue west of england and um i fostered this one beanie in 2007 so you gave him to me and that's the yeah. beginning of the end really <laughs> taking on more fostered sort of 10 13 dogs since and i was opted another and it just grows and grows and it's just a really nice group of people doing the events like this it's just brilliant it's out every weekend now for the rest of the year but it's yeah. it's worth it for this it's been brilliant yeah. so i've been doing it since i was little my mum got me into it we had a lurcher yeah. when we were small and it's just growing from there really i've 
been out volunteering with her and it's just grown and grown so and do you think you're going to go for it organising number three next year we've already got the date so <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I got written in my diary it's oh, around right. the same time yeah, yeah and I've um, asked the council to book the quarry again for yeah. next year so it'll be around the same sort of time so June, in June. Next year. June next year 2011 we'll be doing it all over again 2012 2012 <laughs> this is 2011 <laughs> yep June 2012 we'll be out doing it again yeah. next year we'll let you off have you been busy yeah, yeah. So, listen <laughs> I haven't done anything to drink <laughs> well Beth thank you ever so much for taking You're your time welcome. out thank and you it's lovely to speak to you thank you very much as Bethan said there we were surrounded by greyhound fans so I took a few minutes to find out what life's like as a greyhound fosterer Josie Beasley was accompanied by Autumn her current foster dog Ah, she's a lovely dog. She's come over from Ireland with a few other rescue dogs from a trainer in Ireland. And she was in a bit of a state when she came across, but she's covered in scars and things. But she's settling in really well to a home when she's never lived in one before. But she's settling in really well. How long have you had her? Two weeks. Not very long. So she'd not been in a home before? No, she never lived in a home before. She's only ever lived outside in racing kennels. But she's doing really well. She's brilliant with children, like most other greyhounds are brilliant with children. She's also good with cats, which some greyhounds are as well. She's very lazy. She sleeps most of the time. One half hour walk a day is fine. She'll sleep the rest of the day. She's fine with being lapped. She's always fast asleep when I get home. seem a really you know in some ways an easy breed yeah yeah i would say they are they're ideal first dog if you've never had a dog before like i'd never had a dog before i had my dog yeah and she's a brilliant dog as a first dog yeah. uh, greyhound yes i've got a greyhound myself yeah and then i foster one extra because they love yeah. the company i think they go well in pairs yeah although a lot of them will live happily on their own as well yeah but they they're brilliant first dog because they're so easy to look after they're so loving and yeah. chilled out. They don't need lead training, well, very rarely, because they've already been trained to walk on the lead by the yeah. trainers and they'll walk by your side on their lead and they won't pull yeah. or anything. They're yeah. really good dogs to walk. Clean in the house as well, because they're naturally clean dogs. Yeah. So they even clean themselves she... with cat, like cats do, they lick yeah. themselves, same as cats. So, because, I mean, you'd, you'd expect house training to be a bit of an issue if they've not lived in a house before, but yeah. that's not... That hasn't been the case with any of the dogs I've fostered. They've, if they have had the odd accident in the house, then they soon learn where to go outside. Whereas the dog I've got at the moment, Awesome, she's 100% clean in the house. She has been since day one. And she and she never lived in a house before, so they just seem to get it naturally. And they're, they're very clean dogs by their nature anyway, so they will try to go outside, if they can, to go to the toilet. And do you find it useful fostering that you've already got a dog sort of that's got a nice pattern of behaviour? Yeah, for them? because it gives her something to learn from. Then it gives yeah. the foster dog some another dog to learn from because Maggie's well, a very lazy dog. You can see her now <laughs> lying down in the shade. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but she's a good makes a good role model for the foster dogs because she's so chilled out and she's yeah. great with people and children, cats. She's good with the cats. So yeah, that's it. That shows. 
the foster dogs a good role model as yeah. well. Yeah. And how long, sort of, on average, have you had a foster dog? I mean, how long before they they find a home? The last two only lasted two weeks before they found a home. <laughs> so is Maggie there. Autumn's my record so far because she's been with me two weeks now. Yeah. So she hasn't found a home yet, but I'm sure it won't be. I've had a lot of interest here, so I'm sure it won't be long until she finds a home. She is lovely. Yeah. So they get snapped up fairly quickly. Fairly quickly, yeah. Especially the cat-friendly ones do because they're, there's not so many which are cat-friendly, and I only foster the cat-friendly ones because I got cats myself. Yeah. So they do tend to get snapped up pretty quick. And and when they go, I guess it must be a bit mixed feelings. It is, yeah. We're always happy that they go into the new home, but then you miss them a bit as well because you do get attached to them, even in that short time. Yeah. And the children obviously get attached to them as well. But But you'd recommend fostering? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's really rewarding because you get get to help the dog to become living in the house and then they go and find a home you help them find a home and it's just nice to see them go on and then you keep an extra dog out of the kennels and give two more rooms to help more dogs in the kennels as well then Brilliant, well the the best of luck to you in autumn. Thank you very much You can see photos of both Autumn and Josie's own dog Maggie on the Dogcast Radio site Sarah Shelley was at the day with her three greyhound or greyhound cross dogs and she is also such a fan of the breed that she fosters dogs to give them a better chance of a permanent home. You'll hear in this interview, despite being a lovely sunny day, it was quite breezy. They're all lurchers of various varieties. Um, I've got Jensen, who is a Saluki cross greyhound, and we had him from a private home when he was a puppy because the lady couldn't cope with him. And then we've got Willow, who is a lurch cross Labrador. And we got her, um, she was with a family and she wasn't very good around the children, so she got left to a charity from Southwest Greyhounds. So she's two years old. And we've got Jeff, who is a four or five year old Grey Merle Collie Cross Greyhound, and he's been fostered with us and he's from Moreland's charity at Condover. So we've had him six weeks Mm. and he's a lovely chap. And uh, we're hoping to find him a home. Yeah, and has he settled in okay? Yes, yeah. absolutely fantastic. He's an absolute darling dog. Fits in with our two really well. Yeah. Um, my two are very used to having dogs coming and going because we foster quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. But they're, they're absolutely darling. Yeah. No, we wouldn't be without any of them. <laughs> and, um, I mean, how did you get into sort of greyhounds or greyhound crosses originally? Um, we were looking for an easygoing dog that was happy to go out for a walk whenever you were ready but was quite happy to chill out in the house, which is a real good trait of any greyhound or lurcher. They will run and jump and walk with you for miles and hours, and as soon as they get home, they completely conk out. So they're they're really lovely. We both work, so they fitted in with our lifestyle, and we wanted dogs that were okay with our other animals, and it all worked out really well. It just fell on. Yes. (laughs) So what other animals do they live with? Uh, Two cats and a whole group of chickens so uh, they're all very good and well behaved and haven't eaten too many (laughs) (laughs) and how long have you fostered um just over a year now yeah yeah so So how many dogs um i think we've gone through about seven so far yeah so they seem to get snapped up quite quickly uh they do tend to when you've fostered more than when they're in the kennels yeah because people then know that they're okay in the house and you can give them their traits and if they're toilet trained, you can do all the hard work for them almost. Yeah. 
get them settled into a home and used to living in the house. Certainly greyhounds have always been in kennels. Yes. yes. So if we have them in our home and toilet train them and get them used to being left and being with other animals and coming and going and having walks and getting socialised, then for them to have that dog is much easier than taking one straight out of the kennels. So the foster ones do tend to go faster than the kennel dogs. So So it's well worth, if you've got the time and ability, to be a fosterer. fosterer. Because it gets them socialised and gets them used to living in homes. And it's nicer, they're far more relaxed in a house than living in kennels. So uh, you get all the best benefits of dogs. You can find out more at www.greatbritishgreyhandwalk.org.uk And if there is a greyhound walk near you, I recommend getting out and meeting some greyhounds. Greyhounds have the best eyesight of any breed of dog. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Nick. And I'm Kate. We start today with one of the most outrageous news items we've ever reported on. Jermaine Greer wants to kill dogs in the UK to save bluebells. The sad truth is that she thinks bluebells are more important than dogs, and she expressed herself in no uncertain terms. She made her comments at the Hay Festival, an annual arts festival, and said that she is a fan and owner of Bluebell Woods. She asserted it was time for the British to give up their love affair with dogs and she wants them banned from Bluebell Woods to preserve the flowers. She finished her ridiculous rant by saying, If you love bluebells, kill your dog. Well, here at Dogcast Radio we love dogs, and we like bluebells. We're just not at all keen on Jermaine Greer anymore. Fortunately, not everyone shares Jermaine's uncaring attitude towards dogs. When a small dog called Ozzy got into an unusual predicament, the help he needed was on hand. Ozzy, a young Bichon Frise from Anglesey in Wales, was being bathed in his owner's bath when his paw became stuck in the plug hole. The RSPCA had no offices in the area, but firefighters removed both Ozzy and the plug hole from the bath. After a vet injected anti-inflammatories into Ozzy's leg, the plug hole came off and the young dog was soon back to normal, although let's hope he has more luck at bath time in the future. A teenage narcolepsy sufferer in the UK has found help in the shape of a cocker spaniel called Theo. 19-year-old Kelly Sears now has more confidence to get out and about with Theo by her side. Narcolepsy sufferers fall asleep with no warning, but Theo has been trained to lick her face and neck until she wakes her up, which brings her round in seconds, and he is even able to fetch anyone nearby to help his sleeping mistress if she's injured herself. Theo who is the only dog in Europe trained to deal with a narcoleptic owner, was supplied by the charity Medical Detection Dogs. And it is hoped in time that the charity can help identify the warning signals that Kelly is about to fall asleep and train Theo to warn her. Have you ever had trouble telling identical twins apart? Well, apparently your dog would not have the same problem because scent-trained police dogs in the Czechoslovakian Republic have demonstrated the ability to tell twins apart even if they came from the same home and had eaten the same food. In over 120 lineups involving a variety of sweat samples from identical and fraternal twins, as well as completely unrelated children, the dogs detected the correct sample every time. It's good to know that they're so accurate, since in the Czech Republic, as well as several other European countries, scent lineups are used to identify suspects. So the long arm of the law is being supported by the sensitive and accurate nose of the police dog. 
And finally, actor Ewan McGregor recently filmed with a dog for the first time, and it's changed his life. While making the film Beginners, one of Ewan's co-stars was Cosmo, a Jack Russell Terrier. When his wife, who is allergic to dogs, visited him on set, she saw how much Ewan enjoyed Cosmo's company, and so they began to search for a dog that would not trigger her allergies. The answer came in the form of Sid, a mainly white poodle mix rescue dog, who is now part of the McGregor household. We love a good happy ending at Dogcast Radio. Goodbye. A dog's nose print is as unique as a human's fingerprint and can be used to accurately identify them. Here in the UK, we have at last had some warmer weather, but it hasn't all been good news. Dogs have died through being left in hot cars, and it's amazing that the message hasn't got through yet that dogs die when left in cars in hot weather incredibly quickly. But the other problem that's occurred has been dogs getting bitten by adders who've been basking in the sunshine. The advice is to keep your dog on lead around wooded areas, which is where adders are most likely to be found. Well, whatever the weather where you are, till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121 288 From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315-849-2022. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121-288-0922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident DogCastRadio. That's all one word, DogCastRadio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What kind of dog will laugh at any joke? A chee-ha-ha.